there was a special birthday. Pastor Ronnie made four score in 20. <laughs> no, only three score and seven. <laughs> I want to say happy birthday to Pastor Ronnie. Let's say happy birthday. He is getting up there. People would say, Pastor Fred Small, Pastor Small got some old kids. <laughs> I just want to welcome some guests from Ohio on vacation. Uh, we, we don't, there's no, just give them a hand, amen. There was a special article on our brother Pep Oris in the paper the other day, just a wonderful article on, on Oris, and so... Maybe we can get a copy, but just a tremendous article. And so thank you for sharing that, Brother Pep. We started a new broadcast yesterday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. (laughs) The bonus aired yesterday and the actual first airing as a regular scheduled program is today. It's three-hour difference and... Just pray for the radio ministry of the Lord is doing something special. Amen. Minister Small, we want to thank you. We know that you have to go to your service. And we are just always great, grateful for you, for your, your gifting and your presence, your fellowship. <clears throat> for those who have always don't know, you don't know, this is another set of the Smalls that we're not related, but we say the tall Smalls. We're the sh- We're the short smalls, but they're the tall smalls. (laughs) His brother Ivory, at the age of five, knew what he wanted to be. So, Ivory, what do you want to be? I want to be a meteorologist. And he said it just like that at the age of five. He is a meteorologist today. (laughs) Down in San Diego's training. He's been there for years. Ivory small. (laughs) The weatherman. Ivory. Would you stand with me, please, as we... Prepare for the word of God. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you today for worship, for people being here. We thank you for your presence. We pray that you will give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Open our hearts, our minds. May we be attentive to the word of God. May our feet walk out what our ears hear. May it be pressed deep into our very soul. We love you. We bless you. We glory in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. In the book of Haggai, chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 13 through 15. As you know, we have been studying the book of Haggai, and it's not a book that you oftentimes hear about. Shirley, I want to say hello to you on the phone. Juanita on the phone, God bless you as well. Haggai is not one of the books that you normally hear preached, but the Lord pressed that upon my heart. And so we are endeavoring to preach from all of the Word of God. I'm going to read other scriptures in the message as well, but I'm going to read here Haggai 1, 13 through 15. And this is how it reads. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the heart of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the 
spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Today we have a slightly different title, and it is, The Work on the Temple Begins. The Work on the Temple Begins. You know we've been dealing with the theme and the subject, Let Us Rebuild the House of the Lord. And when we first started this message in the first week in June, we rededicated this temple to the Lord by reading passages of the temple that was built in the 10th century B.C. The night before, I had not planned, but the Lord pressed upon my heart to rededicate this temple. And that's what we did as we're dealing with the rebuilding of the temple in the book of Haggai. As the people have come back, the post-exiles from Babylon, there had been a decree, as you know, by King Cyrus to return to your homeland. He gave them permission and said, when you go back, I'm sending you back and I want you to rebuild the temple. It had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar in 586 B.C. That was the third invasion. And when he went back on that particular time, that last time, the temple and the articles, articles had been removed, the temple had been destroyed, And the Lord said that my people will be there in Babylon for 70 years. We now have Cyrus that has issued a decree for them to return. Opposition arose when they began to rebuild the temple. And the work on the temple ceased for about 16 years when the people had returned. Cyrus had reigned in 559, 530 Nine, he's reigning, and in that particular time, 538, he issued the decree, go back and to your homeland. But in 538, as they returned, opposition rose, and the building, and the work on the building ceased. You know, when there's opposition, you've got to make a determination that you're going to keep going no matter what comes up. If God has given you a mandate, he's going to help you carry it through. It is your responsibility to be obedient to God, even through the difficulties. And even though the first exiles began to go back in 538, it was in 530 where Cyrus died and his son, Cambyses, took the throne and for eight years he reigned. But it was Darius who came to the throne in 522 who reissued the decree that the temple should again be rebuilt. And Haggai is dealing with this matter of the temple that has been lying in ruins. And we had been looking and taking a look at that the people had let the temple lie in ruins while they themselves had decorated and prepared their own houses. The Lord says, I am not pleased, therefore I have blown On your produce. I have kept back the rain. You have sown, but you did not reap what you had sown. The Lord says, why? Because my temple 
lies in ruins. Then last week, we took a look at the obedience of the people. How, after the word of God came, the people looked to begin the work of the temple. And now today, we look at the work beginning. If you consider what pleases God, you would have to begin with that which brings glory to his name. We have people who did not make the world trying to hijack God's glory and what he made and reduce to chance his words when he said, let there be. When God said, let there be, it wasn't man who said, let there be. It was God. You can't hijack God's creation because you can't understand how he did it. Therefore, you say a big bang happened. God does not let you in on all his secrets because you don't understand the beginning from the end and the front and the end from the beginning. He doesn't give you a right to say there's no God. So God's ways and his glory should not be hijacked because you don't understand who God is. You will never fully understand the goodness and the glory of God. God is immeasurable. He gives, just gives you glimpses of him. <laughs> it is when God is able to speak for himself and we accept what he says and then obey him is God further glorified. <laughs> it was the prophet Haggai, to which very little is known, who takes the message of God and delivers it to the leaders and the exiles. The remnant, as we say, without compromise, we recognize God is glorified when we don't compromise his word. It is the response of the people when they hear the message of God and are informed of why they are experiencing the curses on their land and their belongings and then turn in obedience to him where God is glorified. You see, when God reveals himself to you and you begin then to honor and obey him, God is glorified. Hmm. When God is placed first in our lives, he is glorified. A point number one, if you're writing the points down, won't be before you long. You are my people. Sister Michelle <laughs> has preached from something similar, but my point is, you are my people. Haggai, one thirteen says, Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message, I am with you, declares the Lord. If you want to get God's attention for good, begin to move in the direction of obedience of what he tells you. In our first point, we want to note under that first uh, point, you are my people, the mouthpiece of the Lord, the mouthpiece of the Lord. The main thing that we need to note about the prophet Haggai is that he has been fearless in telling the people what God has said, whether it has been positive or not, whether it has been for curses or for blessings, Haggai has been faithful to proclaim the message of God. You know that it is very special when you can speak God's word and people don't want to hear it. <laughs> 
You know that you are standing solid if God has told you to give his word and people are saying that I don't like what you are saying. As long as God says preach the word in season and out of season, you are in good company. Haggai is the mouthpiece of the Lord. He did not hold back. I mentioned to you as the people had come back from Babylon... And they had let the temple lie in ruins. They did not know that from Deuteronomy 28, they were experiencing some of the curses of God. Why? Because they took care of their own business before taking care of the business of the Lord. Regardless of the content of what was needed to be said, we have Haggai who was stating it. We have been consistently reminded That he is only saying what the Lord has told him to say. You know we get in trouble when we try to give people a piece of our mind. (laughs) Don't do it. Keep all your mind. (laughs) Don't give it away. You might be losing it later in life. Don't start early. Just say what God says. Tell them, people, tell me, I need to just give them a piece of my, no, no, keep, no, keep it. (laughs) From the matter of judgment to that of blessings, Haggai has been faithful. You know, God's prophets had a really hard time. You see, they had to preach a very unpopular message. When some of the false prophets were saying, Oh, king, you are going to prosper, God's messengers were told to tell the people and the king, You are not going to prosper. You're going to go into exile if you don't stop sinning. That was the message. And so when the message came, it wasn't popular. If you preach against sin, you are not popular. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us, lights. Help us. (laughs) when you start stepping on people's toes and and telling them this is what God says you might just be run out of town ask Elijah my dad says he received a Jezogram (laughs) after he had told those prophets Come up on this mountain, and we're going to see who God is. God did a great work through him. Proclaimed the word, 850 prophets of of Jezebel. One prophet of the Lord. And from morning until the evening sacrifice, they're calling on their false gods, and there's no answer. Elijah says, get this altar cleaned up. Because the contest was, the God that answers by fire, he's God. What does God do? He says, let's make it a little difficult for God. So got the sacrifice prepared. Just pour some water on it, some barrel water. Go back and get some more. It soaked the sacrifice so that the water was running over the trench. And then he prayed, oh God. When he got through with the prayer, the Bible says the fire of the Lord fell 
It licked up the sacrifice, the water in the ditch, and the rocks. Listen, it consumed the rocks that were there. Man, don't tell me God ain't hot. <laughs> God answered. The Lord answered. Elijah, powerful. Ahab got home. Man, Elijah didn't kill your prophets. Tell him I'm going to get him. Elijah says, I got to go. How can this man of God have performed and trusted God, performed a great miracle, trusted God, and the next moment turn and run? You see, let me tell you this. When you do something great for the Lord, the enemy is going to be right there after waiting to test you. You might be feeling strong, but the enemy has a test for you. Be careful that you continue to trust God. And get this. When Elijah got 40 days later to that mountain, there was a word that came. Now I want you to go and anoint Elisha to take your place. You see, we have a responsibility to obey God and to speak God's word regardless of what people might say. And thank God that Haggai did that. And the prophets of the Lord, although they were unpopular, they spoke the word of the Lord. And so we have the mouthpiece of the Lord in this matter of Haggai. The second thing that we note under this part, number one, is the favor of the Lord. B, the favor of the Lord. Haggai's message was now one of favor. He says, I am with you. He tells the people, because the people now, when the word had come, they got busy and they went to the mountains, they went to the woods, and they cut timber, and they brought the wood back to begin working on the temple. Get this, in the second year of Darius, in the first day of the month at that first chapter, but now we get to the place to where it's around the 24th day of the month, 23 days later, they began to work on the temple of the Lord. And the Bible says, I'm with you. The curses that God had given have now turned to blessings. In just a few verses, God was not even identifying with his people earlier. In verse number two, he said, these people, <laughs> they're not listening. Go, these people. But when you now come down to verse number 13, 14, we oh, God is saying, yeah, I'm with you. Meaning that you again, you're my people. What moves God? Obedience. You want to please God? Obey him. Do what he says. Obey God even when you don't see the outcome. I dare you to live for God in holiness. I dare you to live for God in obedience to his word and watch and see what he'll do. I dare you to trust God to pull you out and through the mess you might even be in right now. God is a way maker. I tell you, have you ever been in a situation to where you, you knew you shouldn't have kept, you should have stopped, but you kept going and you got further and further into trouble. And he says, man, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. 
And then you turn it over to God. God can still get you through and get you out. There's nothing too hard for God. It just requires a matter of turning. Point number two, a stirring and a moving. A stirring and a moving. Look at what it says here in verse 14. And the Lord stirred up the spirit. Now look carefully at this. He stirs up the spirit of Zerubbabel, verse 14, the son of Shealtiel, governor. He stirs up the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And he stirs up the spirit, listen, of the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month in the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. Get this. In most cases, when, when dates are identified, it is normally identified by the kings of Judah or Israel. But because of the captivity, they didn't have a king, so the dates are identified by the king who had or the, the country or the nation in which they had been exiled to, which was Babylon, and then Medo-Persia then took control of Babylon. So we have Darius, who is now the Mede and the Persian leader, and it's identified by him. Get this, in the second year, Remember, the dates that we have are not the same. They went by the lunar. So when that first, that first crescent of the moon, that began their day. So it is believed that it is August when the Lord first spoke to Darius. And then by the 24th, it is now September. So by the beginning of the end of August to the mid part of September, we now have the work of the Lord beginning on the temple. And get what God says. It started because the Spirit of the Lord stirred the hearts of all three groups, individuals. Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the remnant. Throughout the centuries, God's temple has always been a rallying point for his people. The temple has always been a rallying point. When the children of Israel set up the tent of meeting in the desert, when they came out of Egypt, upon them leaving Egypt, attention was around the tent of meeting. When the Lord told them that you are to set up the tent of meeting, and wherever you go, the tent was to be set up first. And the people then would come out when the glory of the Lord and Moses entered that tent, people would come and stand at the entrance of their tents towards the tent. When Solomon built the temple, it was the Lord who had appeared to him twice and said, Solomon, if you will obey me, my name will remain here forever. It has always been the temple. When we were growing up as kids, it was the temple, the church, that was the focus. We went to church. I tell you, I didn't have a choice. I had to go to church. There are days I told you I wanted to stay home and watch the wonderful world of Disney. (laughs) Wanted to see Jacques Cousteau. Roller Derby. T-H-E Cat. Some of y'all too young to remember that. The Green Hornet. 
When my parents allowed us to stay home on some Sundays, oh, we were glad. We told you, if they hadn't called us by a certain time we'd done watching TV, we might get to stay home today. <laughs> but today I can appreciate what I had to do back then. Why? Because it gave me a perspective of what I was going to be later in life. Now, get this, get this, get this. I wasn't going to be no preacher. No, 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 no. <laughs> You're going to be a preacher? No, I'm going that direction. But the Lord had a different plan. It was the temple that was the focus. The temple, the temple. The temple has been the place where God would meet with his people. We have in our study a message from Haggai, and we have found the Spirit of God upon the governor, the priest, and the people. This stirring has prompted the rebuilding of the temple, which symbolizes the presence of God in the midst of his people. Whenever there was a temple, it was a representation that God was in their midst. 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. As soon as Solomon had finished building the temple, the house of the Lord, and the king's house, and all that Solomon desired to build, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time, as he appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your plea, which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house that you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. I got this in the King James. I may have it on the ESV here. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. We are to provoke one another to good works, and we are to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Revelation twenty-one twenty-two. And I saw no temple in the city, for the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. The Lord said before he went to the cross, destroy this temple and raise it up in three days. The temple is important when we consider that we are the temple of the Almighty God. <laughs> During COVID, they shut down the temple. The building. But oh, let me tell you this. While the liquor store was still open, the casinos were still open, and they could give. They tried to shut down the giving even to the church, but God is faithful. It's the temple that changes lives. <laughs> what men may try to shut, God knows how to open. Ah. <laughs> uh, we need to understand that God's provision and his blessings was that if my temple is rebuilt, I'll be with you. And guess what the people did? They said, let's get to work and build and rebuild the temple of the Lord. I want to tell you this, people. God is faithful to honor his word. Today, there have been still some people that are still scared to go into the temple. But let me encourage you and tell you this right now. 
When the Lord talks about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, it's the enemy who will bring fear and try to keep people away. But let me tell you this. God knows how to care for those who are his own. The temple has been the rallying point. We gather as the people of God, the temple, and we gather in this building recognizing that we gather together to worship corporately the one and almighty God. Haggai, the second shortest book in the Old Testament. Very powerful. And there is a turning that happens with the people. Why? Because they say we're going to obey God and we're going to focus on building the temple. As I conclude... When they turned to the Lord, get this, the curses that they had been experiencing were turned to blessings. We're going to see that as we go through this. It's the Lord who takes this matter of his spirit and, and, and infuses the church, blesses his people, delivers us. All the Lord says, will you be faithful? Will you carry out my word? Will you do what I've called you to do? Whatever you might be going through, let me tell you this. You want God's blessing? Just obey him and do what he says. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you for Haggai. We're grateful to you for what you have and are doing in the lives of your people. And we thank you that there's a turning that has taken place with the people. When they heard the message of the Lord, the Bible said that they went to work. I am convinced that when we obey the Lord, when we turn to the King of glory, we experience the favor of the Lord and the Lord is glorified. We pray today that as we seek to honor your name, we pray that you will bless us and be with us. We pray that you will lead us according to your great plan. And we thank you. Again, for those who are traveling, would you give traveling mercy? Would you give protection? Oh, my God. We pray that your love and your blood and your righteousness will cover people. Uh, we love you for who you are, and we thank you for all you're doing. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.